Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. And I hope that's okay with you also. But um, I just want to share something that's on my heart this morning in this passage of Scripture. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture to you. If you've walked with the Lord for any period of time at all, you're very familiar with this passage of Scripture. But I think there's some truths here that we can... We can uh, t- we can adopt this morning and take into our lives. And so, but I want us to take a look at this. Beginning in verse 12 of chapter 6 of the book of Judges, the Bible said, And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Where are his wonders that are ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of the Midians. And the Lord returned and the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the Midians hands. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites and leave none alive. Father, we pray that you'll anoint your word this morning. Lord, help us to bring understanding into our spirits. For your word never returns void. May it strengthen us this morning. And may it call us to a higher, higher level of walk with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Now this is a very familiar passage of scripture to you. Gideon here is interacting with this angel. And uh, as he's interacting with this angel, um, this, this angel is calling Gideon to uh, step out of where he is and to lead the children of Israel into battle over the Midianites. And all of a sudden, Gideon begins to negotiate with this angel, or he begins to explain to this angel that he comes from the least of the least family, tribe. He He is the weakest of his clan. And his question is, how can I save Israel? And so here, here this, this, the angel is asking him to do something that he never thought he would ever be equipped to do or able to do. Gideon's problem wasn't God. Gideon's problem was Gideon. And so sometimes it's not what God asks us to do. The question is, do, are we willing to do what God asks us to do? Sometimes we feel inadequate to do that. Sometimes we feel like we don't have what it takes in order to step in what God... How many know God will always ask you to do far beyond what you're capable? Because how many know we need Him in order to accomplish everything He asked us to do? And so Gideon is here. And, and, and so the question that really the angel is saying, Gideon saying, I can't do it. I don't have the pedigree. I don't have the. I don't come from the right family. Uh, I'm not. I don't have the strength. I don't have what it takes to do it. Uh, in other words, what he's saying, you probably need to get somebody else, and I, I'm not capable of get of doing it. And really, what the angel is looking back at him and saying to him is this: Who told you that? Who told you that you couldn't do it? The truth is, if God asks us to do it. He will equip us to do whatever He asks us to do in our lives. You know, there are two metaphors uh, in the animal family to describe the nature and character of Jesus. One of them is the lamb. He's characterized. This speaks of His humility, His gentleness, His willingness to live life sacrificially. This is one, of, this is one uh, uh, most of us are familiar with. And many lift up as an admirable trait, worthy of emulating uh, and and emboldening in our own lives. 
And it's biblical, it's appropriate, and it's also necessary. Jesus came as the Lamb. But there's also another image of Jesus, another trait uh, that is depicted in Scripture that, that expresses the character of who Jesus is. And it's, it's not the lamb, but it's, it's a lion. And this is extremely important, in my opinion, and often underutilized, or at times we, we overlook the fact that Jesus uh, came as, was a lion also. John says that he was the lion from the tribe of Judah. See, the lamb went to the cross, but it was the lion that came out of the tomb. Y'all hearing me this morning? It was, it was the lamb that went to the cross, but it was the lion that turned over tables in the temple. And the lion speaks of his resoluteness, his uh, resilience, his uh, assertiveness, his strength, his unwillingness to be denied, his, his tendency to overcome every obstacle laid before him, his... Uh, 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 his refusal to adopt the mentality of a victim and his determination to adopt the mentality of a victor. His willingness to walk alone even if those who were in his inner circle denied him. So he's not just the lamb this morning. He is also the lion. And if we're going to emulate him, follow in his footsteps... Live life as he lived, experience life as he intended. Uh, we must hold uh, the intention of these two character traits, but the life that the lamb died for, uh, died for, you, if you don't somewhere along the your walk with God adopt the mentality of the lion um, and adopt that mentality of the lion, you will not be able to experience everything that God has for you. See, I've come this morning to awaken some lions in here. To, to awaken the resolve in you this morning. The resiliency in you. The fight that is in you. The assertiveness. The overcomer that's in you. The victor that's in you. Because if you understand this is essential... You will end up, if you don't understand that this is essential in your life, you'll end up following the Jesus that is in your head and not the reality of, of who Jesus is. See, there's many following Jesus. The question is, which Jesus are they following? Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. There's, there's those that are following the, 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 the compromise. The compromisers follow the compromising Jesus. In other words, all things are lawful. Jesus is just love, right? I can do whatever I want. There's the religious Jesus that says, uh, you're going to do it my way. There's the legalistic Jesus that says that um, um, I'm going to perform for Jesus. Um, it's the uh, uniformity that, that the Jesus they follow is a Jesus of uniformity, that, that I'm spiritually strong. If I follow rules and regulations, that makes me spiritual. There's the legalistic Jesus. Uh, there's the nobody goes to hell Jesus. Come on, y'all. You have you heard that one preached? Nobody goes to hell Jesus. There's the just the teacher Jesus. There's the only Sunday Jesus. There's the uh, still on the cross Jesus. There's the uh, only in my crisis Jesus. Then there's the in the box Jesus. The predictable Jesus. That's the predictable Jesus. I put him in a box and he can only, he can only perform and do to the frame of reference of my experience. In other words, anything outside of my experience, I, 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 I can't accept that, Jesus. But I'm here to tell you that there is a lion of the tribe of Judah. There is the Lord Jesus who has come to give us life and to give us that life abundantly. And in, and in, a, in a, every season or situation 
that requires me. Uh, I have there's certain seasons and situations in life I've got to discern whether or not uh, I'm I'm the I'm going to be the lamb or I'm going to be the lion. Not doing so means a person will not experience the fullness of life that Jesus came to give. Let me just say this to you this morning. The gift of salvation is not just a destination, but a door that leads to a new life under new management. If you walk through the door, you'll step into some things that are on the other side. You don't always have to wait to get to heaven to experience some of the things that heaven promises us. If we'll just walk through the door, Jesus taught his disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so being being a lamb is important. Being a lion helps you experience the life that God has intended for us that Jesus came to and died for. You will find yourself in seasons and situations that you will have to face uh, with adversity and uncertainty. But it's time to wake up the lion that is in us this morning. Time to awaken. Listen, as you read through Scripture, I believe Scripture gives us a pattern. This principle, any advancement will be met Any advancement in God's kingdom will be met with satanic opposition. Kingdom advancement will be met with satanic opposition. Our ability to experience the promise of God is tied to the express and the use of our faith in a way that helps us possess what God has promised us. I'm going to read that again. Our ability to experience the promises of God is tied to and expressed through the use of our faith in a way that helps us possess what God has promised. All the promises of God are occupied by opposition. And your willingness to overthrow the opposition determines whether you experience the promise or not. In other words, your determination, in other words, to use your faith to overcome what the enemy has laid in front of you that is an obstacle to the promise of God, just because the promise is articulated in the Bible doesn't mean it's experienced by the believer. Just because a promise is in this book doesn't mean that we as believers always experience that promise. Just because it's here. That experience, to be experienced, is based on our willingness to overthrow the opposition. We don't let the we don't we don't we don't get the promise without a faith fight. There has to be a faith fight in order to obtain the promise that the scripture gives us. See, you don't get peace without a fight. You don't get joy without a fight. Freedom in your life doesn't come without a fight. Unity doesn't come without a fight. And what we begin to see is the scriptures that I read you, what you will see is that the principle, this principle is seen right here in the book of Judges. The land God's people are fighting for is reflective of the promises of God. In the book of Judges, you will see that the land that God's people was fighting for is, is, is reflective of the promises of God. In other words, Judges, Judges is one of the greatest books of the Bible, you all. It's the Old Testament equivalent to the New Testament book of Ephesians. Because it's a book about possessing. See, the books before Judges are the promises of God to the children of Israel. And, and the books that are before are promises, but when you come to Joshua... And you come to Judges, you come to the books of possession. In Exodus, God promised to Moses, to God's people, to take, he was going to bring them out of Egypt to a land of milk and honey into a promised land. 
And Israel, through Joshua, won the national war. Joshua took them into the promised land. And he brought them into that place. But each of the children, the tribes of Israel, even though they won the national war, Joshua won the battle to cross into the promised land. They, as individual tribes, had to fight for the inheritance that they were given. They had to battle for them. They had to fight for what they were, that, that was given to them, what their inheritance was to them. In other words, there's this, Joshua brings them into the land, and how many know Jesus has already won the war? Jesus has already died and rose again, and victory has already been made. It's a matter of the believers stepping into and possessing what God has provided for us. But we have to understand this morning that to possess the promises of God, we're going to have to learn to fight for. And we are fighting from victory this morning. That's why it was called the land of the Canaanites. Why was it called the land? Because the Canaanites were there. And they had to drive them out of the land in order to possess or overthrow. They had to overthrow the opposition in order to possess the land. In other words, the metaphor here in the Old Testament is using natural battles as a metaphor to describe emotional and spiritual battles that will have to be fought for. Judges is a book that gives us the principles for possessing. It shows us that you don't advance without a faith fight. We have to have a faith fight in order to advance in the kingdom. And I think it's time we start fighting by faith. I think it's time we start possessing promises that God has given the church. I think it's time to start possessing things that we have been promised as a church. That we start stepping into some of the the faith promises that, that the scripture allows us to have as a church. We need to start fighting those faith battles in moments of insecurity or uncertainty or, or in moments of restoration and our, the way we win social justice and win over religion and unbelief and the way we fight poverty Amen. is that we have to have a faith fight. And Judges gives us the principles on how to possess How to have that faith fight. You need to learn how to have a faith fight this morning. And not just lay down and let the devil just walk over you. The time of being a lamb is over. It's time for God to awaken the lion that is in us. So that we can begin to possess what God has for us. And we see this in the book of Judges. Before we get to chapter 6 here the foundation of the scripture that I read to you this morning, you will see this progression of faith fight that comes through the book of Judges that God takes the children of Israel through. Judges chapter 1 is interesting. It tells us this. It tells us that in Judges chapter 1, and beginning in verse 1, it said, After the death of Joshua, the Israelites asked the Lord, Who of us is to go up first to fight against the Canaanites? And the Lord answered, Judah shall go up, and I have given the land into their hands. In other words, the children of Israel are asking, who shall go up first? Who shall fight first? Now remember, they were first led by Moses, and then they were led by Joshua, Now God is taking a tribe now, a whole tribe that's going to lead them up now. They're being being led a different way. And so the Bible says, ask who goes first? Judah goes first. And so we all know that Judah, the meaning of Judah is praise. That praise and, and in the battle, the first thing that goes up is praise. Now, normally, when we're in a spiritual battle or we've come through a spiritual battle, that's when we give God praise, right? 
We usually thank God after the battle's over, after we have, the Lord has brought us through something. We testify. We give God thanks for it. You know, but here the spiritual principle is, is that we are to begin to praise even as we go up to battle. That we're to worship and praise even as we go up the battle. Because, see, here's the thing. Praise just doesn't make hype church. Praise is not just to make it noisy in church. Did you know there's a spiritual discipline behind our praise? Let me tell you what praise does. Praise makes you better. Hear me this morning. Praise makes you better. Praise is not just a sound. Listen, praise, let me tell you all something. Praise, I'm just going to testify personally. Praise is my sanity. (laughs) Praise is what keeps me sane. Matter of fact, there's scripture to back that up. Praise is not, praise is my, because the Bible says that praise establishes a stronghold. And with our praise, we establish strongholds around our minds. There's a scripture that says that when we worship and we praise, it builds strongholds around our mind. Praise helps you keep your sanity in the midst of a fight, in the midst of battle, in the midst of going up into battle. In other words, it fills my mind. Listen, what does praise do? Praise will fill my mind with the goodness and the greatness and the grandeur of God. See, when I begin to worship and praise, there's a fortification that's coming to my mind. And it fills my mind and my spirit with the goodness and the greatness and the grandeur of God. And so my mind is being filled with... So what happens is when I praise and I begin to fortify my mind, what happens is, is I begin to produce... My response is there's an appreciation... For what God has done for me in my life. When you begin to praise and you begin to worship, there's something that fortifies your mind, that strengthens you. It reminds you of how good God has been to you in the past. The battles he has won, what he's taken you through, what he's delivered you from. It reminds you of what you don't want to go back to, what you don't want to live back in before. It reminds you that, hey... My praise is building a fortification around me that's reminding me that I serve a big God and a good God who's able to deliver me out of every battle. It keeps me from being overwhelmed with the false perceptions of my problems. This makes God bigger and my problems smaller. It makes God bigger and my problems smaller. Worship will do that. In other words, when I praise, those false perceptions begin to fall down. Because how many know we can make life problems bigger than what they really are? Huh? How many know we look at them and we get overwhelmed with it? And it's not as big as we thought it was? But when you get in the presence of God... When you learn to battle and praise and you learn that your praise is a weapon that fortifies your mind and positions you to be ready for battle, you will learn there's nothing the devil can throw at you because you're serving a God that has protected you, has kept you, has delivered you, has provided for you, and has met every need you've ever had before. The battle's being won. Your God is bigger than what you're facing this morning. I want you to know that. Your your God is bigger. And if I'm going to be lion-like, the first place I need to win is in the battle of my mind. The battle of my mind. The battle of my mind. Judah, the Bible tells us here that Judah and Simeon went up and, and, and Simeon, uh, Judah told the Simeon, Simeonites, he said, if you'll come fight with us, we'll fight with you during your battle. And so they went up the battle and they went up the fight and they came upon a king. And they took the land and they captured a king called Anoni Benzik. 
And the Bible says that they did, they did something strange. The Bible said they cut off his thumbs and cut off his toes. And they, they cut his thumbs and toes off. And so they did that. They cut his thumbs and toes off. In other words, they cut his thumbs off so he could no longer grip a weapon or a sword. His ability to fight had been diminished. His ability to retaliate, to retaliate or come after them had been eliminated because he could not grip a sword no longer. He could not hold a weapon no longer. They had cut off the thumbs so that he couldn't fight. And they cut their toes off so they could not stand in defense or in battle anymore. And so it teaches us that sometimes you have to cut off the present thing. To, you have to cut off things now in the present to protect your future. The battles that you face, the, the, the enemies you face, you've got to cut those thumbs and toes off so that in a later season, they don't come back to fight you. And really, it's a picture of setting boundaries in our life. Sometimes we've got to set boundaries in our life. Sometimes we've got to set boundaries away from the negativity of others or the criticism of others. You're trying to be salt and light in the middle of life and someone is sitting back trying to tell you what you're not doing or that you're able to do. Or somebody that's trying to drag you in to compromise or drag you in to a place that you know is not God's will for your life. We have to understand that when we fight, when we overcome an enemy, we have to cut off its ability to come back into our lives. We just don't conquer something. We've got to make sure that it does not have the ability to show up later in our life. And chapter 1, that is what they did. They were making sure that that king could never fight at them again, never come at them again. And my prayer is that we learn the battle strategy to be a lion, that we've got to cut some things off in order to be able to walk in the victory and promises that God has for our lives. Sometimes we have to, you know, we, we, if we let it live, it's going to try to come back. If we let it live, it's going to raise another army up against us. We've got to cut that thing off and destroy it so that we can walk in the promises that God has for us. Chapter 2, we see the chapter 2 of Judges, we see the children of Israel had become intoxicated with their own success. And they deviated away from obeying God. In other words, their own success brought them to a place to where they felt, I don't have to fight anymore. I don't need to be un un unaware aware of what's going on in my life. And what happened was because of that, because of that lack of obedience, they began to engage in relationships that God said not to engage in. You know, in the Old Testament, Israel never really handled success very well. Matter of fact, not being able to handle victories or success is a sign of immaturity. It's a sign of immaturity, spiritual immaturity. See, here's how God handles spiritual immaturity in our lives. The way God handles spiritual immaturity is God has to keep you in crisis to keep you committed See, if you always are living in crisis, sometimes it's God's way of keeping you committed to Him. Because if you're always in crisis, you're always going to be running to God. And the way God keeps you is that your crisis is always driving you to Him. Because if you really walked in victory, some folks can't handle the victory that God gives them and, the, and their immaturity doesn't allow them to handle victory that God has given us. The children of Israel couldn't handle many of the spiritual victories that God gave. And so, sometimes God has to keep the pressure on you so that you'll continue to pray. Some people, God has to keep you worrying so you'll worship. And so, 
The children of Israel linked up with people who were fighting their success. You know, sometimes in spiritual battles and in principles of warfare, when it comes to walking out our spiritual battles and walking in victory, there will always be some people who like the old you. You hearing what I'm saying this morning? In other words, there are people who like who you used to be. They liked your old obnoxious self. They liked your old crazy self. They liked the dysfunction that was in you. That's what they related to. And what happens is they struggle with the fact that there's been a change in your life. And they don't like the change that's in your life. So what they try to do is pull you back into an old life, pull you back into an old way. And I'm here to tell you that God wants us to learn how to manage the victories that he gives us. He wants us to walk in levels of maturity. Maturity is key to our battle, is key to us walking in victory, and key to us walking with freedom in our lives. And so when we get to chapter 3, we begin to see Israel is being conquered again by a king named Eglon. And a king named Eglon is, is beginning, he rises up and he begins to oppress the children of Israel. And what happens is God raises up a man named Ehud. Ehud, the Bible says, two things about him. We're given two details. He was a Benjaminite. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. And he was left-handed. I'm left-handed, praise God. Praise God for all the left-handers. Say amen. If we have any in the house. In other words, God raised up Ehud from the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin means son of my right hand. Here's Ehu. He's a left-hander in the tribe of, a, of, of, in the midst of a tribe that means sons of my right hand. <laughs> you don't think he felt out of place, do you? You don't think he felt a little bit weird? Being left-handed in those days really meant a social handicap. It was unusual. There was a uniqueness about left-handed, the uniqueness about who he was. But I'm here to tell you that God, when he raises up the lion in you, that what God will do, sometimes he'll take the uniqueness that you have, and at the right time, he'll take that uniqueness to be used in the moment when you never think God will use that in your life. You may walk around thinking, why am I this way? Nobody understands me. Maybe it's, it's a, a personality thing or a thing in your life you're not sure. You know, it distinguishes you from others. And you're wondering, why in the world did God ever let me be this way? Why did God ever allow me to be this way? I'll tell you why. Because there's going to be a moment in time when God will take your uniqueness to use you in an hour when you are needed. Ehu was left-handed and he was needed. He was, he was, the uh, Eglon was requiring for 18 years the children of Israel to bring tributes to them. They were in bondage. And Ehu said, you know what? We've had enough. It's time to fight. It's time to engage in the battle and take the promise that God had given us. And so what he did was he tied a, a, a dagger or a knife to his right thigh and he brought the tributes up to Eglon. And when he got Eglon alone... He took that left hand, which probably would not have been expected, and he pulled out that sword, and he killed that, that king, and he, he, he killed him. And the Bible says that when he got back, he rallied the children of Israel that went down into the area and defeated Moab there and found victory there because he was willing to use the uniqueness and how God made him to step up to fight when it was time to fight. Don't underestimate how God has created us or made us. Other people may not understand you. They may not understand what you're called to do or what God has asked you to do. But that's all right. There'll be a moment when your uniqueness, when God will take the defining thing of who you are and use it in an hour when it's ready to be used. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. We see that God also took a man named Shamgar. Shamgar. 
who took an ox goad. And the Bible says that he slew 600 Philistines with an ox goad. In other words, he, 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 what God gave him had empowered him. He used, he used what, what he had to accomplish what others could not do. Because it was not what he didn't have. It's what God, it's what God had given him. And he used what God had given him. Sometimes we just got to use what God puts in our hand. Sometimes we've got to use what God has given us. He had an ox goat. He didn't have a sword. He didn't have a spear. He didn't have chariots. But he took what God put in his hand and used it for the kingdom of God. The question is, are we willing to take what God has given us and to use it for the kingdom of God? God will help you overcome what you don't have because the supernatural power of God can overcome what you don't have so that you accomplish what God has asked you to do. How many are thankful that you're able to use what God has put in your hand? How many will say, yes, God, I'll use whatever you put in my hand for your kingdom? Chapter 4, we see the rise of an incredible, of an incredible judge by the name of Deborah. She was a, a woman who broke barriers. Sometimes culture tries to define you and put you in a box. Religion will do that and say you can't do it that way or it's not to be done that way. How many know God's looking for some lions who are willing to break, who are willing to break some barriers in order to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish? All the time I... I, I hear people say, well, you know, you mean, you mean a church is, can do that? A church is allowed to do that? You know, I think it's time that we start breaking some religious barriers that has put some restrictions on what God does in our lives. Are you all with me? I mean, I think we need to be some barrier breakers. I think part of being allowing the lion to break forth in you is to say, I'm going to break some barriers, some walls that people have put up and said, you can't do this or you can't do that. I'm here to tell you that if God anoints you to do it, God will give you the ability to accomplish it this morning. I mean, I think it is. I think it's time we break some barriers. I think in order to reach the loss, in order to, listen, you don't, you, don't, you don't compromise the message. The message is the blood of Jesus. The message is the resurrection of the cross and the blood of Jesus in our lives. But how many know God could use us to break some stereotypes and religion that tries to choke the church out and begin to produce a freedom that allows a flow in our lives? Deborah ruled over Israel. She broke barriers that some thought that could not be broken. And then chapter 5 is the psalm of Deborah. And really, it is, it is a chapter of gratitude after small victories. The children of Israel were obtaining these small victories. I think sometimes we've got to learn to, be, to have gratitude after the small victories of our lives. Because it's, what, is it? what is those small victories? They're signs of progress in our life. We've got to learn to be grateful for the, even the small things that God does for us. I mean, we need to be grateful for things like what's happened to Ken and, and, and the healing that has taken place in his life. How I many you know that's small? That's a small, it may be a small victory to some people, but in the kingdom of God, it, what it's doing is building faith in you and in me so that one day we can lay hands on the blind and they shall recover. Open the ears of the deaf and see even greater miracles. All miracles are great, but we have to rejoice in the small victories that God gives us. And then we come to chapter 6. And this is where I wanted us to come to this morning. And we get to chapter 6 and here we have chapter 6. Israel is being oppressed by another enemy. But here's what's interesting about this. How they attack the children of Israel is much different than what other nations have done. 
The Midianites, when they've attacked at Israel, they did not try to eliminate them. They just tried to impoverish them. The Bible says they grew wheat and they would ravage the camp. Israel would work for the wheat. They would plant it. They would grind it. The Midianites would come and they would take the results of the fruit of their labor. It's a different kind of battle. It doesn't kill you. It just robs you. And so Israel would do all the work, all the planting, and then the harvest would come in and they would come in and they would rob from Israel. They would take from them. They would rob from them. It didn't kill them. It just robbed them. It impoverished them. It wasn't just taking of something from them. It did something to them spiritually also. I don't know about you, but is there anybody in this room that's ever felt like you've been robbed by the enemy this morning? They survived, but they were less optimistic than when they went in. They came out of it, but don't believe in people like they used to. They survived it, but they were more cynical than they were before. And here we see they were robbed. And so when we see Gideon, Gideon here, he takes the wheat and he, and he goes to the wine press. He's not at the threshing floor now. Now he's hiding. He takes the wheat and he goes to the wine press and he is now, he's hiding. Now he's not at the threshing floor, but he's at the wine press and he is hiding away. He's trying to hide it away. Instead of fighting for it, he cowers back. And so now he's in this wine press threshing wheat, and all of a sudden the angel comes to the exact place he is. How many of y'all know that when God's looking for you, he knows where to find you? <laughs> How many know you can't hide from God? You can't hide from God. He's in the act of the threshing floor and the angel interrupts him. In other words, he's in the middle of being busy doing something and the angel interrupts him. How many know God knows how to interrupt us? To show up on the scene. God can, comes in and he, and he comes right in the midst of our lives, right at the moment when we unexpect him to show up. He shows up and there's this interruption in his life. Interrupting his agenda. And the angel says to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of war. <laughs> Here's a guy hiding in the wine press, away from the enemy, and here the angel says, you're a mighty man of valor and war. Gideon, I could imagine Gideon just like, who are you talking to? You talking to me? He said, if the Lord is with me, then why has all this, these things happened? Where are the miracles my ancestors told me about? See, Gideon is basically communicating what he had expected, his expectation that if God is with him, he would behave a certain way. In other words, Gideon thought, if God is, is with me, if God was really for me, he'd be behaving a certain way different than what he is now. And since God is not behaving in the way that is consistent with my expectation, he may not be with me. He's assuming he's not with him. You know, sometimes we put expectations on God and God doesn't always move in the way we think God is going to move. He's, I mean, God's not showing up the way Gideon had assumed he would show up. And so now, all of a sudden, God shows up and he's having a hard time believing God is with him because it didn't meet the expectation that he thought or how he thought shot God should do it. How many know God will wreck your way of thinking when you begin to overanalyze how God should do something? And here Gideon is caught in the midst of this and here this angel is speaking to him. And Gideon is like, he's, he's, he's having a hard time believing this. Listen, he's, hard, he, he's saying, where are the miracles of my ancestors? 
forgetting the fact that the fact that an angel is appearing to him is a miracle in itself. Would you all not say, that, say it was? The fact that an angel showed up and he lived, that he didn't die in the presence, is the fact that God, evidence that God was with them. And here he's complaining, missing the miracle of his survival. And God says, I want to use you, Gideon. And Gideon says, how can I save Israel? Here's the thing. Gideon, in verse 15 of chapter 6, he says this. He says, pardon me, pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? In other words, he's not questioning. He didn't question that it, could, that it couldn't be done. He questioned whether or not he could do it. He wasn't questioning whether or not God could do it. That's not what he questioned. He questioned whether or not he could do it. He said, I'm the least of my family. I'm the least, I'm the weakest in my clan of Manasseh. And here God is trying to awaken the lion in Gideon. But here Gideon, here God is trying to raise up Gideon. And God is having to battle not only to get Gideon to fight the Midianites, but God is having to battle Gideon about his own self-esteem. And here's the thing. Gideon has no idea that all of Israel is waiting on him to get over himself (laughs) and just give God a yes. A whole nation. See, there are people that were held hostage by Gideon not stepping into what God said he could do. And so a whole nation is waiting for a man to see him, for this man to see himself correctly. And I'm here to tell you this morning that awakening the lion in us is just being able to see ourselves as God sees us. Because we believe the lie about who we are. We believe the lie about what God can do with us. We believe the lies of our past and that we're hindered, that we don't, we're not smart enough, we don't have the education, or we don't have this. I'm here to tell you, God wants to awaken the lion in you to do what he's called you to do. So wake up, Gideon, and get busy on what God has for you. Why? Because there's people out there that are waiting for the lion in you to wake up this morning. <laughs> See, this is, in, this is, in my opinion, the most consequential battle in all of Judges. The most difficult battle you and I will face is as our own adequacy for our assignment. I mean, all of us, all of us have an aspect of our assignment that God has called us to where we begin to question our own adequacy. I can't do this because of where I come from. In other words, Gideon is comparing what God wants to do in his future to what he's come from in his past. And here's the thing about the story. The thing is, we get more impressed that God won a victory with 300 men, not realizing that wasn't the greatest battle. That battle was fixed. That battle was fixed because God got involved. Matter of fact, when Gideon went to fight, he didn't have to fight the Midianites because the Bible said God got involved and they began to kill themselves. Gideon didn't even actually have to fight them. They started and turned swords on each other. There are some things that you think you're going to have to battle and kill, but you don't. But you're not going to have to. God's going to go before you. God's going to go before you. Come on, Mary. Remember Mary running to the tomb, and as she's running to the tomb, she's thinking to herself, who's going to move the stone? 
And when she gets there, she realizes the stone has been removed already. There are some obstacles that God will already take care of that you don't have to worry for. He's already taking care of them. But if we could win the war that's in here, in our mind, whatever you are telling yourself that has you warring against what God is leading you into. In other words, what the angel is saying is, Gideon's saying, I can't do that. And the angel's like, who told you that? I'm not good enough. Well, who told you that? I've made mistakes in my life. Well, who told you that? My past is not redeemable. Well, who told you that? I don't have the right background. Well, who told you that? All of us feel inadequate at times. I want to tell you, we all feel inadequate. You know how many times I've quit the ministry? <laughs> That's about right, that you're close. You know how many times I've drove down the road and said, God, I'm quitting. I'm done. Don't talk to me no more. How many know that argument don't work with God? There are times you feel like quitting. You don't feel inadequate. I'm here to tell you there's a lion inside of you that God's trying to awaken in you. He's trying to, he's trying to pull you out of that Gideon spirit. That you're trying to withdraw back from doing what he's asked you to do. And I'm saying, hey, go. who told you you couldn't do it? Who told you you couldn't win your neighborhood? Who told you you couldn't win your family? Who told you you couldn't do what God has asked you to do? I'm here to tell you that if God is with you, who could be against you? Right? Who said we couldn't win a city? Who said we couldn't expect God to do the supernatural in our midst? And if you, don't, if you don't believe in you, at least believe in God until you do believe in you. This is, Pastor Adam, if you'll come. This is what he said to Gideon. He said, go in the strength that you have. I will be with you. If you didn't hear it from God... Don't hold on to it in your hearts. If you didn't hear it from God, don't hold on to it in your hearts. Because God says, I'm the one that has assigned you. I'm the one that chose you. I'm the one that called you. And God says, I know what I'm doing. Gideon didn't feel he was even deserving. But God's saying, Gideon, I just want you to believe in me. I am with you. And you know, there's times we don't feel like he is with us. There's times we don't feel like we don't know where he is. But I'm here to tell you, God is with us. God is with you this morning. God is with you. I want to close with this this morning. I was thinking about this yesterday as I was doing some research. And I heard this quote and I thought, man... This is awesome. And you know what it's time for the church to do? And hear me out before you judge what I say. But it's time for the church to get into what I call beast mode. Y'all know what beast mode is? If you're under 20 or if you're under 30, you probably know what beast mode is. It's a terminology that is used. Matter of fact, it originated with a running back from the Seattle Seahawks by the name of Marshawn Lynch. It used to be called his nickname. And when he would go out and perform high above what was expected, they would say, oh, Marshawn is in beast mode. He's in beast mode. And really what it means is, it, it means to take on the characteristic to, to perform or to do what, is, what appears to be incapable in the natural and how many know it's time for the church to get into beast mode? To start accomplishing and doing things that are hard for us to do in the natural, but with God with us, we can accomplish everything that God has for us.
And sometimes we just need to take on and say, God, we look through the book of Judges and we begin to see that it's a book of possession. And it's time for the lion to awaken in us. So that we can finish and do what God has called each of us to do in our lives. Stand with me if you would this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to come this morning. We want to pray for you. Give you the opportunity to be prayed for. Because I believe there are a lot of people that are here this morning that the lion just needs to be awakened in you. And really, some of you, God is calling you to greater things than what your, even your behavior is, is showing even at this moment. See, Gideon's behavior showed that he was scared, he was fearful. But God says, Gideon, there's a mighty man of valor on the inside of you. And I've come to awaken what's inside of you. Just because this is not who you've been doesn't mean it's what God wants you to be and who God created you to be. And you're here this morning and you'd say, Pastor Shane, there are things God's asking me to do, but I don't feel adequate to do it. I've somewhat run from the Lord a little bit. I've hid from Him. Now I feel like it's a time for that to be awakened in me. I've given God every excuse that I could think of. But I'm here to tell you, here's what God wants from us this morning. He wants our yes this morning. He wants our yes. And if that's you this morning and you like prayer, I want you to come out of where you are and come down. And we want to pray for you this morning. Come on, tell him yes. Say yes, God. I mean, you may feel inadequate. You may feel God speaking things to you. And you say, man, I don't know if I even had the strength to do it. God says, I'm going to give you the strength. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you walk through it this morning. It's time for the church to get into beast mode. Time for us to start doing supernaturally what he's called us to do. Hallelujah. I believe there's some sham guards in here this morning. Sham guards are those who said, hey, I'm just tired of being robbed. I'm tired of my harvest being robbed. I'm tired of my family being robbed. I'm tired of one trial after another. I'm tired of, of having to, to fight through this, but God is going to give you the ability to fight and the strength to fight back. He's going to use what's in your hands. He's going to use what's in your hands. If that's you this morning. We want you to come. Come on. What you, have to, what you obtain from God this morning comes from a faith fight. Come on, you got a faith fight for your home, for your finances, for your careers, for what you do. You got to engage in a faith fight. I'm going to fight for my joy. I'm going to fight for my freedom this morning. I'm going to fight for my peace. I'm going to advance. I'm not going to let the enemy keep me from advancing anymore. I'm faith fighting this morning. I'm going beyond just what salvation gives me. But I'm stepping into through that door so I can experience a little bit of heaven here on earth this morning. There are some Debras in here. There are some Ehuds in here who say, Lord, I'm awkward. I'm, I, 
My gifts are different. But God's going to use them. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.